What is the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Ronnie and Devin jumping back on with you guys after, I don't know, Ronnie, like a month-long delay because a hiatus. we have a little bit of an announcement. Um, we have a new show coming out. Um, it's going to be a video kind of breakdown show of the top high school and college prospects um, and the next generation of NBA stars, Ronnie. Um, it's called On the Rise. You guys can potentially expect a drop of the first three episodes at the end of February. So look, be on the lookout for that because it's going to be, you know, Ronnie and I have already recorded three episodes. We're getting all the bells and whistles on it, making sure it's uh, nice and and uh, in good flow for you guys. And it's going to be dropping soon. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but a couple of things have happened, Ronnie, since we last jumped on to the In the Paint show. And one of the things that we wanted to touch on was the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sure defeated the Kansas City Chiefs, um, Tom Brady, another appearance, another ring. Is <laughs> you, You've been around a long time. You, you follow the game a lot more, you know, a lot more than I do. Um, is Tom Brady the GOAT, greatest of all time, of NFL quarterbacks and NFL players? Yeah, you know, Devin, it's good to be back on. I'm excited about the On the Rise show. Uh, like you said, you know, respect. The first episodes, I think we're going to have three of them to ready to go by the end of the month. So it should be great. It seemed like it's been a long time, but, you know, in that time, obviously, we've had some good basketball updates. And obviously, you can't avoid the Super Bowl because of what Tom Brady did. I mean, people are comparing them now, obviously, to other great athletes, individual athletes, team athletes. But as far as him and quarterbacks, you know, the thing that strikes me the most, and I think we've talked about it before, is you know, with Joe Montana got his fourth and Bradshaw, it was like, oh, my God, four Super Bowls. Like, now this guy is almost double that. Like, and to take that Tampa Bay team from, I guess, a pedestrian nine and seven. And, I mean, what other common denominator is there? There's three or four players that are on the team because of him. And the team wins the Super Bowl from the wild card entry spot. You know, so it's like he beat three really good teams. And then to get there, and then the defense played really terrific against Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl. And I think that's one of the striking things that I, I saw is that leading up, obviously, you're going to Brady and, and Mahomes kind of overshadow and overdrown everything. But like a lot of them wasn't as much made as how good or how important that line play was going to be, basically was going to be Tampa's D-line versus the banged up Kansas City O-line. And I think that was a huge difference in the game. And then as far as Tom Brady, yeah, I think he's the greatest quarterback. I think there's no no debate about it. Like, what he's doing at 43 is pretty amazing. Because I know people are talking about LeBron James this year, Devin, and how good he's playing. And, and to his credit, he is, right? He's 36 years old. But, like, we're, we're forgetting what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did at, like, 40-41. Like, it's not mentioned enough because we're mentioning Brady a lot at 43, which is insane. Those are two guys I think about when I think of uh, there's two guys when I think of like age and like an ageless wonder and, and being in real time is Kareem. People don't understand Kareem had a 24 13 game. Now they got swept by the Pistons in his second and last game. So I guess it would have been game three of that sweep in 89. Kareem had a really good game and he was productive until like really productive to about 87, 87 season. He was still playing at a high level. So 
he how old was he in 87 like 39 40 you know so he was up there he was up there in age and then brady at 43 just i mean the thing that strikes me the most Devin, and what do you want you to think about it because i know you saw that other super bowl was peyton manning toward the end of his career he had a good defense in denver and they went to the super bowl and i just remember how out of place peyton manning looked like he couldn't throw the ball no more he was a good manager. He knew how to play the game. That wasn't the – he just couldn't throw the ball. Like, what do you think about the way Tom Brady can still throw the ball? Like, it's at 43, just – and then he can move. He avoids sacks. He just has the great instinct to get rid of it before – and obviously that keeps him from, obviously, a lot of injury. You know? Yeah, I think I think the reason why Tom Brady is more talked about than, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, you know, one, the amount of exposure he has sure. – social media, TV, whatever it may Correct. be. Correct. Nonstop. Yeah. The differences between that and, you know, in the 80s, the, there was no, you know, talk shows, no podcasts, none of that stuff, yeah. no social media. Um, and, and another difference between Kareem and Tom Brady is one played a semi-contact sport and the other is a NFL player. Yeah. At three playing the marquee position. Oh, uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Going from uh, an, a, a, a organization that a lot of people thought Bill Belichick was kind of the, the mastermind uh, mastermind behind the Tom Brady, you know, fame or Tom Brady aura. When in fact, now that Tom Brady left and won a Super Bowl in Tampa, it looks like it might've been Tom Brady. <laughs> how can we draw a, compare, a parallel to basketball? Like what team would, let's say Michael Jordan have to go I to or, or LeBron go to, and win a title to be like, oh my God, he did what Tom Brady did. Like, you know, how shocking is that? Like, dang, you know, would it be like if MJ would have won a if MJ would have won a title in Washington with the Wizards, that would have been insane. Yeah. Okay, that's a good parallel. Yeah. That would have been insane. And you know, away from Pippen, away from Phil Jackson. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think Phil Jackson is the comparable there because yeah. uh Phil won with MJ and Pippen. Then he went to the Lakers and he won with Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. Has Phil Jackson, right? Has Phil Jackson ever won without Shaq and Kobe? No. Has Phil Jackson ever won without Jordan Pippen? No. Has MJ yeah. won without Pippen? No. Tom Brady, it seems like is in a, in a, in a kind of a place of his own right now. Oh uh, yeah. Plus, like you said, seven Super Bowls. It's just so, I mean, that's way out of the realm. It's just like, what? A lot, a lot of good quarterbacks have only won one. Yeah. Peyton Manning. Yeah, and some have only won none. Yeah. I mean, it's really difficult to, like you said, Devin, because of the, the violence of the game, the nature of the game, it's hard to get there, and it's hard to come back. So, you know, Dan Marino, everybody, you know, he lost to Joe Montana in a Super Bowl that was played at, at, at in Palo Alto. I remember it, and it's like, oh, Dan Marino's going to get another chance. He's a great quarterback. He never got there. So I think that's one thing that came out of this Super Bowl. The two things from Mahomes that really stands out is how good he is. Because they didn't play good as a team, but he was terrific. Even the plays that they did not com complete or, or execute, oh, my God. It's like he's playing on another level. He's playing Sandlot football, and everybody else is, like, trying to chase him, like, like in the neighborhood. You know, he's like, it's unbelievable the, the plays he can make. And then, two, the aftermath, like you said, the, the Monday morning quarterbacks, the nonstop talk shows, the podcast. Oh, well, Mahomes, let's see if he can get close to seven Super Bowls. What? What are you guys talking about? Like, this guy will be lucky 
it's so hard to get there. He'd be lucky to get another one. I mean, he might get two more, might get one more, but it, you don't know that because career could change at any moment. Yeah, and it's like I think we're spoiled with Mahomes because he went twice in his first four seasons. Yeah. And he's, like you said, some of the plays he made in that Super Bowl, even though they lost and even though they didn't work out, like that one where he was like parallel to the ground and he threw it like a a laser underhanded a laser right to the dude's face I and mean, it's just it's the things he does on the on the football field at the quarterback position are things that we've never seen before right you don't see yeah you don't uh, see very often but obviously obviously tampa's d-line was you know much more effective than uh kansas city's offensive line as far right. as getting to mahomes flushing him out of the pocket Man, yeah, that wasn't talked about enough because that was a huge, you know, the, the, the position changes, the, the tackles were out, guys had to move. That's a huge adjustment in the Super Bowl, and it, it obviously made a big difference. So, difference. yeah, so just to close this out, while we get back to more into hoops, you know, who can you compare Tom Brady to? I, I hear these comparisons of to individual sports and then the team sports, you know, Babe Ruth, Seventh World Series, there's, you know, Michael Jordan, six, mm-hmm. Bill Russell, 11. I hear this Serena Williams and, and Tiger Woods. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tiger Woods and Serena Williams. Like, don't they, they can win many majors in a, they're like, oh, Serena's won 23 majors. There's three or four in a year. Tom Brady can only win one Super Bowl per year. Like, guys, how's that? I don't get that. Like, yeah, I, don't, that sense. I don't think you can compare individual sports that have multiple major opportunities with a team sport that has one per year. Yes. To me, it's comparing apples and oranges. To me, it's it's similar to it's similar to comparing eras and be like, oh well, Magic Johnson wouldn't have been as good now than as, as he was in um, you know in the eighties or whatever. Yes, he would have. Just stop that. You know, I think that Ronnie. Before we that can actually tie in another thing that just came up was Kevin Garnett's comments about yeah you know, guys twenty years ago wouldn't have been able to play the way the NBA is played because of just how the game is and how the game is played. Guys would be getting dropped or whatever it may be. Did, did he forget that he played 20 years ago? And did he forget that Allen Iverson played 20 years ago? And don't forget Ray yeah. Allen. 20 years ago, Ray Allen wasn't, you know, the, the spot shooter that we know him as. He was a baseline guy who would drive and dunk on people. Um, oh, yeah. He was terrific with Milwaukee. Right. So I want your initial thoughts when you saw the, those KG comments. What, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, um, I'm actually going to write something about it because I think I have more to explain than we could talk about this. So look for it on ballslife.com in the next week or two. I, I have actually thought about that. I was talking to a few other people. Well, the, the, the main points I would take away is motivation and adjustment. So great players adjust and great players have motivation. And a lot of people have motivation because of the amount of money. So you mean to tell me Kevin Garnett or like you said, Ray Allen or um, I don't know, let me think Terry Cummings or Charles Barkley with all that money they're paying players today that they wouldn't have adjusted. Like, come on, they would have adjusted like, okay, we're shooting more threes. We, I got to get on transition more. They would, they would find a way to adjust. Yeah. They, you know, the adjustments is one thing I, you know, the great players will adjust, you know, Oh, uh, Michael Jordan, you, you know, you pulling a little more threes. Okay. Then he'll practice them a little more. You know, that's, that's okay. Maybe they run, run the triangle as much. Maybe he's, it's more of a three point offense, but he would adjust. I mean, just, that's the number one thing I, you know, 
what do you have the motivation to adjust to to stay in the league and to prosper? Dude, the guys are making $25 million a year. You don't think they're going to find a way to like, I'll be okay. Even if I'm not the star I was, then I'll, I'll stick around as the seventh man. I think, or, you know what I mean? That's obvious. I think, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think the comments were probably pretty short-sighted and just something that was, yeah. I don't know, for him to, you know, yeah. put himself in the media, whatever it may be, or just, you know, start a debate. Yeah, I think so. I, I think a few people, and especially older people, mentioned on off offline, Devin, that one is he has a documentary coming out soon on Showtime. So maybe it's a way to kind of like stir the, the pot a little bit. And then two, he sounds like a guy that wants to work in the NBA or be involved in coaching. Yeah. Oh, the game is so great right now. That's the Magic Johnson style of, of a kind of like, instead of taking the Charles Barkley angle or the league sucks. Yeah. These guys suck. The league, you know, it, it's a good guy, cop, bad cop. So I think he's he's being the good cop, kind of the Magic Johnson way. Like, you know, Kobe Bryant's the greatest Laker of all time. The league is so great right now. It's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's certain people's personality. So I just think Kevin KG, we just don't expect KG to be like that because we hear all the stories about how competitive he was and, and he wanted to kill the next guy to try to get better, you know. So I, I think that throws people for a loop. But uh, I, I think that's another thing, too. He, he's, he's like you said, he's playing his position in the, in the current threshold of media and the NBA. Yeah, I think one of the major points that he missed was just how different the – game is officiated now and how you can't club people when they go to the basket because you're going to get thrown out of the game or you can't hand check. You're going to get a tiki tack call against you. You put Jordan, you know, with no hand checking and kind of freedom to get where he wants, whenever he wants dudes averaging like 45 a game. Um, And and that's what I don't sometimes understand. I think Jordan can shoot the three, but if he's blowing by guys, because nobody can, touch him why would he have to like he would just be he would be getting in the lane and as you see i think jordan's birthday's on february 17th i mean you know we're shooting this pod around that time and you just look at the highlights that are on out there it's like this guy's so good guys you know it's like he would adjust you know it, it would be no problem for the good players to adjust yeah some of the bench guys may not may, may not have been in the league now you know, and maybe guys who were all-stars maybe would be more role players, but they would adjust. I mean, they're too good of players, and the motivation to make $25 million a year is, is just you're going to figure it out. So, yeah, uh, he- yeah. let's let's move on from that, Devin. Uh, let's 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 jump into high school. What is it that let's, what's on your mind with the, with the high school game? And then we'll jump into some college and, and some draft stuff. Yes. You're speaking a lot about adjustments this morning and you've had to adjust your Fab 50 national rankings, you know, quite a bit based on some teams playing, some teams not, some teams playing a, an abbreviated season and some teams just kind of going about it normally, like, you know, Montverde or IMG playing 20 yeah. already. So your latest update, um, the, the top five, make sure you guys go to ballslife.com, check out the latest Fab 50 update, uh, the national high school basketball rankings. Um, top five, unchanged from a week ago. Uh, it's Montverde Academy at the top spot, Sunrise Christian Academy number two, IMG Academy number three, DeMatha Catholic number four, and Wasatch Academy number five, Ronnie. Um, for a local perspective, guys, California, obviously we're still out here in a holding pattern as far as CIF Southern Section or CIF you know, state-sanctioned games are still on hold because sure. of 19. 
But three local teams are still among the top 50, Ronnie. Sierra Canyon at number 11, Modern Day at number 43, and Rebay Academy at number 49. All three of those have O and O records right now. <laughs> so what, They're just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, are they, why are they still in the rankings? And then we can go into the more national scale. Well, they're still in the rankings because they're still projected right now to have a season. Okay, so again, I don't, I don't want to penalize teams that, uh, you know, that's where I kind of projected them in the in the preseason. And as teams in, in as other teams lose or win, you know, those teams can fall or or rise. So Sierra Canyon is actually rising a little bit, not too much. I, they're not going to get too high because other teams have lost. So. Their, their problem is when the CIF, if the CIF Dove has a season, it's most likely not going to have a playoff. And then they're not going to be able to play out-of-state competition, so they're only going to be able to get so high. That's just the nature of what's going to happen this year. There's Basically, the, 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 the mythical national champ's not coming from California. Why? They don't have a chance to play anybody that's not from California because of the, the when the timing of their season is going to be. Yeah. So those are good teams. Again, you know, maybe Rebay Academy is a lot better than that. Maybe they're not, but we we don't know. But we just have to pro- try to project of how they would rate against teams as they would in a normal season, or, or like their their uh, pattern of success, how good they could be. You know, uh, obviously Sierra Canyon is hovered around 17, 15, 13, all the last three four years. You know, when they've basically been the defending. CIF Open champs now for for two seasons, and then they were obviously in the running last year before, almost a year ago now, Devin. That you know everything, great, went nuts on us. So, the update that's the update there from the California perspective. I'll give people a little bit more broader perspective. Is DC certain places in 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 District of Columbia have not started? The Chicago Public League supposed to start this week. Illinois. Now, we talk about being all over the place, Devin, like in California. Illinois is all over the place. A year, a month ago, it looked like they were going to have no season. Then they said, you know what? Go ahead, play. <laughs> like, I think Arizona did something similar. They had a yeah, vote. Arizona canceled their season about a month ago. Then they said, you know what? Let's vote again. And one guy was like the swing vote, and they're like, let's roll. Let's play. I bet, so, I bet, I bet Donald Trump would want to have a revote like Arizona did for basketball. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it was like the season's dead in the water, which then makes sense because the grind session is playing out in Arizona since November or October, but AIA ball wasn't going to play. That would have been kind of odd. So AIA ball in Arizona is playing. And then the Chicago Public League hasn't started. They're supposed to start later this week. Again, that's a dense area, but like some of the suburbs and some of the outer portions of the IHSA and, you know, downstate and in more suburban areas are already playing. Uh, Baltimore's public schools are not playing yet, and the Baltimore Catholic League is supposed to start this week. And then as far as other states that have, are like California have not played are West Virginia, New Mexico, Washington, and Oregon. And they're supposed to be like spring starts. Okay. So, so those, those, those teams are still eligible for the Fat 50. It's just going to be difficult for them to make much movement. They don't have many opponents to play. There's a lot of travel restrictions. There's a lot of uh, game restrictions. Many states are playing with masks. <laughs> so, you know, you'll see the highlights on, on Ball's Life on our, our Instagram or our, our YouTube page, and you see some of the teams playing with masks on. So that's yeah. kind of like the gist there. It's, it's pretty nuts, but, you know, a lot of states are getting through it. Um, 
I'm big on the masks, especially if I'm out in public, I wear them. And, um, but again, like Ronnie, if you're going to play a basketball game and you're, you're playing with like a non N95 mask and you're just like breathing up on people, what, I mean, what good is it going to do? Probably, probably nothing, but I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't understand what good is it do if you're rubbing all over the guy and you're, right. you're boxing out and you're indoors, all that stuff, but maybe, maybe boxing out is banned in those states. David. Maybe they're not supposed to box out all three pointers only. Well, I mean, I will say, Ronnie, I will say with the way the game's being played, there's not a whole lot of interior action yeah. and there's not a whole lot of guarding anybody up close or putting pressure on anybody. So maybe it does work. Um, <laughs> the mask doesn't work. Real quick. So one of the main teams that has not started yet is O'Day of Seattle. And they're at number four in your rankings. Am I wrong? Or where are they at? No, maybe I'm wrong. Where are they? No, no. Yeah, no, Day's not number four. Um, yeah, no, they're in there. They're in there. Um, and they they deserve to be in there. And, and that kind of leads into our, our, our next segment way. O'Day is right behind Sierra Canyon at 12. So, again, they're just zero and zero. But like I said about Sierra Canyon, maybe Sierra Canyon has a little bit more opportunity because there's more good teams in California. But, like, O'Day, Coach Jason Kerr is, is really – really crushed you know i mean like he's just crushed for his guys you know what i mean he's a good guy you know they expected to have an awesome season they had their whole team back and right now they're in the wiaa is supposed to be sanctioned as play starting april 26th so that's still a ways away Devin. That's, that's <laughs> a long way away. um yeah so april 26th is supposed to have two 10-week sessions and again, the ninety-five percent of the country will be done, so they're just going to play their conference games and maybe a game or two of non-league, and that's all they're going to get. So, if you're John Christopoulos, who's going to Creighton, or, or as you mentioned, Paulo Banchero, who's on his way to Duke, and and he's a very vital cog in their recruiting class, you know that's pretty late. It's similar with California football, Devin. If you're a California football player. And you play a five, let's say you play a five week season this year. I would hate to see a kid get hurt when he was going to play next fall and he seriously gets hurt. And the same thing with Banchero, Christopoulos, and other players that they, they, they want to play as freshmen that are expected to play as freshmen at the collegiate level. So Coach Kerr's in a tough spot. I mean, he supports his guys. You know, um, obviously, Paolo Banchero's a national player of the year, Mr. Basketball USA type of player. So it's a very difficult situation. It's just this uncanny. I don't know if it's uncanny is the right word. It's just unique. It's it's. Hopefully this never happens again. I guess. Yeah. Before we move on to your your first Mr. Basketball USA tracker update, you mentioned the Chicago Public League and you mentioned some leagues in Baltimore that are supposed to be starting soon. Which teams should you know Fab Fifty followers be on the lookout for if those um, seasons are able to start? Uh, you know, as teams that are able to move up or teams that could yeah. potentially down well yeah um the one team that's to keep an eye on is the defending champs and they've always been good and they've been good recently is uh you know the team that's been hoovering in the fab 50 they've been moving up and down because they actually got some play as a, a quasi aau team is uh st francis academy out of baltimore they're 23 right now they moved down uh they lost to dematha who's has a season going dematha's number four so yeah. it kind of gave me a range that they they had a drop down uh, they're they're in kind of in the range of Paul the Six, who's had a pretty good season. Paul the Six in that same league in, in, in DC. They're in Virginia, obviously, so they're not in the heart of, of DC, but they're seven and four. They lost to Germantown Houston. 
who uh, has Mike Miller's son, Mason Miller, on the team uh, out, of, out of Tennessee. They've lost the Sunrise, and they've lost two close games at DeMatha. There was a game earlier this week that was a terrific game. It was an uh, over, uh, overtime game. It was 109-106, I believe. So, so they were able to play some fall league games. So it kind of gives me a range of how good they are. Uh, so the, the Baltimore Catholic League is supposed to start later this week. So that, that would be the team to look for uh, would be, you know, the St. Francis Academy. And then Ball, Polly of Baltimore, who's kind of like, quote unquote, their rival. They're the best team in the public league. And the public league is kind of like the Chicago public league. It would be similar to like the LA city section, just a lot of bureaucratic stuff. Uh, the coaches are a little frustrated with the communication of, of, you know, starts of uh, COVID numbers. They, they don't have many, many answers, unfortunately. So in, in, as we go to the Chicago public league, which is the Chicago public school system, which is a large school district, I guess to call it. And, and, and a lot of good teams over the years, obviously, as you know, Devin. Simeon is right now the best team on paper in Chicago. They're 19th in the Fab 50. Morgan Park is good again. But Simeon, especially Roosevelt, really have a really good team with the mod buying them and that group they have there. So hopefully they get their games in and hopefully they get a season. Very interesting, Devin. They're not going to have a playoff just as, um, you know, a few other states are not having a playoff. You know, the, so Chicago, Illinois is not having a playoff, but they're supposed to be a kind of like a, a eight team tournament the last week of the season, which would be uh, March 11th through 13th, somewhere around there. Indiana's in the same boat. Indiana's played a full season, but they're not having a playoff. So Texas is in the playoffs. Uh, North Carolina's heading to the playoffs. Florida's in the playoffs. So some teams are going full board with their playoffs, while others are kind of cutting it off with travel restrictions. They don't want to be on the hook for teams traveling across state, especially in big states. So, yeah. you know, that's the kind of update there again. And, you know, we're going to be following it all the way through. You, you, and then the bigger update would be from a national perspective is from the um, NIBC, the national interscholastic basketball conference that includes many of the teams at the top of the fab 50. Uh, it was, they were as coach Patrick Holmes with Lalamere said a few weeks ago on our pod, on the in the paint shows that they're going to try to have like an end of season conference tournament, but it became, but it became a fruition that the teams are just kind of beating up on each other quite a bit, you know, whether it's Wasatch, Lalamere, Oak Hill. And I guess it made more sense because Sunrise and Montverde have shown that they're the two best teams in the conference, that those two teams will just play kind of a rubber match. Okay. So Montverde is number one. They did lose one game. They lost to Sunrise in overtime. Obviously, that team led by Kennedy Chandler is having a terrific season. Sunrise has only lost to Montverde, so they split games. And then they've lost to Arizona Compass, who Montverde beat. So I think that's the difference of why Montverde is holding on to the number one spot for now. But those teams are supposed to play the weekend. I believe it's March 12th, so I think that would be Friday. So Saturday's the 13th, and, and Thursday's the 11th. So one of those days, Montverde is going to play Sunrise Christian in a rubber match because they've played – and that will kind of decide the first, you know, NIBC championship. And then that team will have the number one seed going into Geico Nationals, which is scheduled for April 1st through 3rd. So instead of those teams beating up on each other and then playing again at Geico, they just, I think it made cooler heads prevail, quote unquote, to say, let those two teams play. And then that decides who's the number one seed. 
And that game could potentially also decide the mythical national champion, depending on how things shake out at Geico. Um, Ryan, let's move into your Mr. Basketball USA tracker. For those of you guys who don't know, um, there's a panel, I believe, of 14 voters. Am I right on that? 10. Yeah, we have 10. 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wrong all day today. Um, 10 voters, and it's basically a national you know, player of the year voting process that, that Ronnie has set up. And I think it's going to be a lot harder to pick one this year because of, you know, abbreviated seasons, guys not playing. Like we said, Palo Benchero, who probably would have been in the mix as yeah. a guy a lot of votes. He hasn't played all year. So what's that going to look like? Yeah, that hurts him. I mean, like, you, like you mentioned, uh, this is a, a year unlike any other. We've said it all season long, all through the rankings, all through these, this podcast, like this season is going to be unlike anything we've had just because, of the fragmented nature of high school basketball, there's not a national uh, end of season tournament or a national rules and regulations that governs everybody. 50 states have 50 different rules. And then some states are separated by private and public as we know. So, you know, uh, yeah, with, with Paolo, it sucks because I mean, I don't know the way to say it. He doesn't have the opportunity that let's say um, Kennedy Chandler's had so far, Jalen Duran. They've had multiple games against other ranked teams. They've been on national TV. And it, it's and it's you, Devin, it's like, what have you done for me lately? If you if things are if you watch things on TV, whether it's college basketball, whether it's uh the G League, the Ignite team, whether it's high school basketball, you're gonna gravitate to what you've seen lately. There's just how else do you go to get around that? You don't, you know what I mean? If if you're off the radar, it hurts. So this has been a very uh, interesting season. You know, Devin, I want to get your take. Let's go back to the beginning of the season. Okay. And 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 then you can tell me how you see it going forward because you've obviously watched the top teams play. And again, because they've had the exposure. Yeah. Is Who did you like at the beginning? And then, like, what have you seen from the top teams and the players that you have a chance to see? What, what have you seen so far? So obviously – you know, yeah. uh, go back to the beginning and then bring us up to speed to now to mid-February. Obviously, some of the, the bigger names that jumped off the page immediately, obviously Chet Holmgren, one yeah. of the top-ranked players in the country, uh, Jaden Hardy, Coronado in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, obviously, Vegas and Nevada not playing yet, and Jaden Hardy announced that he's – if they even even if they do play – no, they're canceled. They're fully canceled. Yeah, they're fully canceled. So fully canceled. He's out of the running. Um, and then you look at a guy like Banchero, who we, who we mentioned. Uh, yeah. Jalen Duran in Montford Academy. So he's obviously still in the running. Uh, you know, IMG, Jaden Bradley, Musa Diabate. Yeah. Um, uh, Hunter Salas. You mentioned Hunter Salas uh, not too long ago, and he's having a terrific season. I mean, you don't see a kid from Nebraska often, their team or individually, that like, wow, this guy's a national player of the year type of guy. And Bellevue West, they're the team in, in Nebraska and his team. Millard North, you know, Millard North is 25 in the Fab 50. They're 21 and one and Bellevue West is 19 and two. So Bellevue West recently at the Heartland Hoop Classic lost to Sunrise, a pretty good game. Uh, they lost 75, 68 and they have a split with Millard. So they're 22 in the Fab 50. They moved up quite a bit this week and they moved up because Millard North beat Oak Hill and um, Hunter Salas had an awesome game, like 32 points and six rebounds, a really good game against MJ Rice and that group at Oak Hill, which is a good team. They're not great, but they're very good. So, you know, kudos to him and kudos to teams from Nebraska. I like to see teams like that, like kind of like a Harrison Barnes team at, in Iowa when he was a senior. 
teams from the Midwest or teams from smaller states. So, you know, I, I do like uh, Millard North and I do like what Hunter Salas has done so far. Yeah, I think Salas has put himself in the mix in the conversation. And I, I think if, if I had a vote, Ronnie, I think my vote right now would probably go to Kennedy Chandler of Sunrise Christian Academy because yeah. how he's elevated that team. They beat Montverde once. And Get that three-pointer. Yeah, he made big plays down the stretch in that game. And he's got them at the number two spot in the Fab 50. And I think he's kind of the engine that makes them go. And Kennedy Chandler, a five-star point guard going to Tennessee next season. Um, and, and, you know, I think the second guy on my list right now would probably be Jalen Durant from Montverde Academy. Yeah. Um, and a couple of other guys who, you know, I want to mention who I thought, you know, might have had, you know, depending on how they did in the season, might have had a chance to get some votes. A.J. Griffin of Archbishop Stepanak, one of the best yeah in New York state and Peyton Watson of Long Beach Poly, uh, the best player in California. You know, we, we yeah. don't get a chance really to see him have a full senior season, which is no. because I think at the end of the day in 221, he might, might end up being the best prospect or the best player out of this class. So um, what are your expectations for the, the vote, Ronnie? It is something yeah. you've never seen before. What are your expectations? Yeah. So let me, let me, talk about that a little bit would follow up with what you said and, and again it's changed so much from the preseason and I think we're going to talk about that in our on the rise segments with some of the top guys you know you got to produce you got to keep uh developing and you know Peyton Watson he didn't start as a sophomore on a pretty good team then he had a good junior year and everybody wanted to see him this summer because he's kind of coming up in that class, you know, rising, rising. And for him, he would have been a guy that could have been in the running, I believe, like you said, if they would have had a normal schedule, if they could have played at Tarkanian and or like the Damien tournament, he needed that, you know, to, from a national perspective, he obviously doesn't need it locally. You yeah. know, he, he doesn't need that locally, but to be like a national player of the year type, he can't just be a season in May or April <laughs> Uh, playing Wilson and Milliken, it's just not gonna. That's just not gonna work. Same thing for for Banchero. You know, it's just you need those 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 showcase games. And like you said, that helped Kennedy Chandler, and that helped our guy from Menard North, Hunter Salas, who is gonna choose his college, I believe, on his birthday, March twenty sixth. And you know, Hunter's gonna uh, make a college choice. So yeah, you know, Payne's already going to UCLA. He's gonna maybe have a a, a fragmented season. So that's very interesting. Uh, you mentioned Jaden Hardy. Uh, his season's been canceled since December. So he's unfortunately not even eligible. Um, Patrick Baldwin's another guy I want to mention, and that's going to lead into our next segment. Patrick Baldwin is another undecided top-tier player. Now, Patrick was the junior of the year last year, and he hurt his ankle seriously early right away in the season. He hasn't played since. So... Right away, that takes out last year's junior of the year. Last year's sophomore of the year, Imani Bates, Jalen Duran is right on his tail. Devin, you like Jalen Duran now. You know, is, as he's right there. Again, he's had the opportunity. He's he's had playing for Monverde in a situation where he's playing high-level games. And, and we'll talk about Imani Bates, I think, on On the Rise soon. And just his development, where is he going this year? I don't think this has put him in a spot where it's like, He's going to be like head and shoulder above these guys. He's just not. It's just the way it's working out for better or worse. And he's eligible to be Mr. Basso. But right now, as I forecast it, 
I don't think he's going to be the winner. Like, I mean, if you'd asked me six months ago, I'd have said he's right there. So it's very interesting how that plays out with COVID, with the seasons, transferring, getting into a situation that's good for you or putting yourself in a situation you think is best for you. And sometimes that is, sometimes that isn't. Yeah, I think the uh, Ipsy prep experiment that they've they've done with Imani and a couple of other really good players, um, they, they've played some games, right? But again, their, their schedule's been fragmented. And I think- It's very you, difficult for them to get games, yeah. Because- You mentioned before- Sanctioning is difficult. Yeah. Before, before we, met, we jumped on, you mentioned some stats and you're shooting, you know, what was it, 30% from three and um, in a couple of national televised games, didn't really- I mean, you hate to see a kid be anointed to, you know, as many scouts did last year, anoint him as the greatest high school prospect they've ever seen. You hate to see that because it puts a, a tremendous amount of pressure on a young, on a young player. player. Yeah. But with that said, people are going to take that, um, you know, and run with it. And if you look at what he's done in those national TV games this year, probably hasn't lived up to that hype of being the greatest, you know, high school prospect. Um, not to say that he's not, or not to say that he won't end up being a very good, you know, college or NBA player, whichever path he decides to take there. But um, yeah, I think in the scope of Mr. Basketball USA, Ronnie, he's not in that top two or three. No, because again, unlike a lot of the other awards that we see over the years for high school, it's not based on the reputation. It's not based on, it's a blind ballot. The other, the other voters don't have to tell the other voters who they vote for. So they, they send me the ballot and it's pretty, I think they're most likely, they're mostly being contrite and they're mostly being honest. And I try to give them as much information. And we've talked about this before, Devin, of how the players are playing, not so much where they're going to college, who's recruiting them, uh, how they did at the NBA camp or camp, Pangos camp. This is about how they're doing now. So you're right. I don't think Imani's in the top two or three, maybe even not even the top four. Now, let's let's take it back real quick. Devin, I mean, a year ago, he was the first sophomore since LeBron to be first five All-American. You know, um, besides maybe Zion and Mallow, was there a hotter basketball name at any level than Amani Bates last year? No. Like, he was, like I said, remember what everyone was saying is the greatest, the best high school basketball prospect they've ever evaluated at that stage. And that's, yeah. a, that's a lot to put on a kid. And yeah. you look you know, what LaMelo Ball is currently doing in the NBA in his rookie season, Ronnie, and a lot of people that we know, Ronnie, a lot of people we know who are bashing LaMelo Ball uh, in high school or, you know, when he moved uh, to Lithuania or went to Spire or whatever it was, they were bashing him saying he's going to be nothing. Um, you, you know, I've had people tell me they've heard national scouts say that he was going to be the worst of the three Ball brothers or <laughs> have, have quote-unquote – national former national scouts who would walk out on Chino Hills games because they didn't want to watch the balls play. But LaMelo ball is the front runner for NBA rookie of the year. And it looks like to me, Ronnie, based on how he's playing um, and based on the opportunity that he's gotten with Devonte Graham's injury in Charlotte, it looks like he's going to be the rookie of the year. And it looks like, I mean, there's a, a high potential. He'll be the face of the league long-term. So it's really difficult to write off a kid this early or right on a kid this early. That's yeah. why, that's why you and I will try to take a more measured approach to evaluating, to projecting rather than saying, yep, this guy's it. He's, you know, 15, 16 years old. This is the next generation. This is the guy. Um, that's kind of what we're going to do with OTR 
on the rise, Ronnie is, you yeah, know, we'll break it down yeah, a little we'll more down, guys. Um, Ronnie, let's move on to another topic. I wanted to jump into. Um, we're talking about high school basketball season cancellations, Nevada canceled, um, <laughs> California, Oregon, Washington. We may, that may be canceled, you know, here within the next week, or it may, you know, be drug out until April or whatever it may be. Alabama needs to cancel its season because I saw a story about a game that and a playoff game, which ended in a six to four final score, six, like 10 total points, six, ouch, four. And it's because there's no shot clock in Alabama and it was basically a stall ball game, right? You score, you hold it. (laughs) It's just like, it's crazy to me that a basketball coach at the high school level, at the, the youth level would want to play that style. Right. And take advantage, I guess, of not having a shot clock. What, why is there not a universal shot clock in, in the country? You know, California has, yeah. other states have one. Why is there not a universal shot clock? Yeah. We kind of mentioned it a little earlier when we were talking about a fragmented, um, fragmented organizations and it's, it's hurt us in COVID in, in a lot of regards. Um, the NFHS, gives guidelines and recommendations to the states, but the states ultimately make their own rules. So uh, a shot clock, universal shot clock was turned down. The state of Arkansas is adding a shot clock. So I guess they'll be the eighth or ninth state. As you mentioned, there's um, there's seven states, including California, that have one. Uh, you know, it's good that the NIBC is using one. Geico uses one. So that that's good. Um, the bad part is that, Nobody takes it to the forefront and be like, and their state and be like, hey, we need this. You know, there's there's some people think it's a cost measure on some of the parts of the state. Some of it is just ignorance and and, and laziness. You know, go get a, go have a little fundraiser to get a, a thirty, you know, a shot clock, and and have one of your uh, JV or, or freshman guys or team managers run it. I mean, that's what it basically comes down to. Or you know, have an NBA player or somebody of that caliber. Let's let's start a uh, campaign to raise funds for all the you know schools that, that that can't truly can't afford a shot clock, which there probably is some, especially in COVID time now. You know, I, I was telling Paul Bancardi of ESPN because he's a big advocate for the shot clock. I said, Paul, that COVID has just put your your uh, shot clock initiative back another year or two. It just has because we're t- now we're talking about finances, getting shot clocks for every school. You know, so it's 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 a it's a thing that was gaining momentum before COVID, and I think it still has some, especially when those type of scores come out. But as has been the case with a lot of things in our country, where we're seeing the um, with the pandemic, and we're also seeing with the the inclement weather in Texas, is poor leadership. You know, it's just people don't have the initiative to get it done and get it out to all the schools, or they don't. You know, school districts. Uh, uh, state associations just don't take the initiative, Devin. I think it's showing in some of these what's happening around the, the country with, hey, uh, there's no basketball season. Go, guess what? Go ahead and play now. Uh, the tears don't matter. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So it's we can't get shit right. So that's why we can't get the shot clock right. You know? Yeah, I understand the, the financial aspect of it and how that might be uh, difficult to overcome for you know some schools in certain areas. Yeah. Um, and I get that part, but man. I just want to really be able to figure out a way to get that done so that the game is universally the same across the board and helps prepare kids for. Uh, yeah. It hurts American kids development. Yeah. 
it's, it's there's no doubt about it um you know again if you're playing in some boondock uh high school game and it's six four why wouldn't you want to transfer to oak hill or montbury we've talked about that before to get a shot clock a good environment where you can play i mean it's a no brainer these and then these people go oh these kids are not loyal Oh, these kids are horrible. Their parents get them out of school. It's it's like, why do you think they do it? Because you guys are we're incompetent half the time. It's a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that I think that perfectly segues into our next segment, Ronnie. Um, interesting news out of Duke University, and it you know it has nothing to. I mean, maybe it does have something to do with how bad they are this year. Um, yeah. But Jalen Johnson projected you know lottery pick in the two twenty one NBA draft, who played a handful of games for Duke. Um, recently announced that he is quote unquote opted out of the rest of the season. Uh, there's only a few weeks left in the regular season of college basketball, Ronnie. And based on the record and based on the requirements right now, it, it doesn't look like Duke is even going to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time. And they're eight and eight overall six and six in the ACC as of, you know, the day we're recording this podcast. Um, a lot of people on Twitter, talk shows, uh, whatever it may be, are giving him heat for sure. making a decision. Um, and he kind of has a history of, you know, switching, you know, leaving schools or leaving teams. Yeah. Was he at IMG or Montverde when he left? He was at IMG and yeah. last year. And obviously he's a talented player. And we, we've, we've had many discussions and we had a podcast about how good that Montverde team was. And the only close game they had was against IMG, one close game. And would Jalen Johnson have made a difference if he would have been on that team and locked in and, and ready to go with those guys? Because they were good. But they weren't as good as Montverde. But, again, they were ranked because they, I, meaning me, expected them to have Jalen Johnson. And then he left the team right around Thanksgiving. And they're still a good team, but they, they, they weren't as good. And they weren't as good as Montverde's. And obviously Montverde's one of the better teams of all time. But maybe IMG could have been right there with them if Jalen would have been locked in in that team, helping that team. But again, that's where he's going to have to answer those questions, Devin. He did that with the IMG. And then he went back to Nicolette High School. He, didn't, he did play at the end of the season a little bit. Back in Wisconsin where he's from. But, you know, he's going to have to answer that question again. Obviously, Duke is a bigger stage than Nicolette or IMG, but it goes to your point about the pattern of him. And he did that before he transferred into to Nicolette from another school. So talented player. I don't think he's having an awesome season. I, you know, you can give me the more rundown on that. Um, so, again, how big of an issue it is, it's going to have to be addressed. But I want to get answer you two or you tell me two uh, rebuttals to this or two, I want to ask you two questions is one, where do you have them in your mock draft, Devin on ballslife.com and two, it didn't affect coach K from recruiting him. What happened with, with IMG. So how much is it going to affect his draft? Yeah. So to answer your second question, first, while I pull up my, my board here, um, I, I think it, it, it won't hurt him at all. Okay. You know, again, the NBA is a different animal than high school or college basketball. Yes. Uh, if if he interviews well and he answers questions well, and a, a team likes him and they they think that you know he fits what they do uh, on the court and off the court, because from what I've seen, Ryan, it doesn't seem like he's like a bad 
a bad kid, like he's doing bad things, right? Like illegal things and all that. You know what I mean? So if yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's like he has either his um family or people in his corner that are pushing him to make certain decisions and pe- other people don't like that. Yeah, and I think if um if everything checks out and he, he checks all the boxes as far as character goes, uh, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be depending on who's picking Ronnie anywhere from five to 10, because at six, nine with the perimeter skill set that he has, he's kind of made for the current way that the game is going in the NBA. Um, to your point, Ronnie, he played 13 games at Duke, uh, eight starts. And I think towards the end of, you know, his 13 games was when he stopped starting and when all of this, you know, opting out, yeah, yeah, may have started to become a reality for them, but overall 52% from the field, uh, 44% from three, uh, six rebounds, 2.2 assists, couple steals, couple blocks game. That's not, that's that's not a bad line, 11.2 points per game. And, you know, I, obviously we'd have a much bigger, uh, sample size if we had a regular season and, you know, be able to play, you know, a normal amount of games up to this point. But yeah, I don't think the, I mean, you, you have to look at it from here, here's the way, like there's the question I had here is, is it fair or foul this decision, Ronnie? I'm going to answer it first. And what I think, then I'll throw it to you. Sure. I don't think it's foul because um, I get the whole, like, Oh, you're quitting on your team, you know, your, your teammates, whatever. But again, if, if this guy's a lottery pick and you know, Duke's not making the NCAA tournament and is potentially risking an injury. If he continues to play, we don't know any of the other stuff, the behind the scenes stuff is he was having a disagreement with the coaching staff or whatever it was. Sure. But just from a strictly from a basketball standpoint, why risk injury at this point in your career? If you're projected to be a lottery pick, imagine, imagine he goes out there and plays a, you know, a game that doesn't mean anything against, I don't know, Georgia tech, right. In the ACC, uh, tears his ACL or, you know, hurts his Achilles or something. And that kind of just sets his career back, you know, a few years and maybe you never recover from an injury like that. So for me, yeah, correct. That kind of money on the line, Ronnie, I'm, I'm a purist in basketball. Like I want guys to get out there and compete, but at that level with the, you know, the current state that Duke is in of potentially not even making the NCAA tournament and games being postponed or canceled, based on COVID and now weather issues. Um, I wouldn't, for me, if it was my kid, I probably wouldn't have him risk the injury. My kid's not going to be six, nine and probably not as athletic as these dudes. So I don't got to worry about that. But if my kid was, and he was, you know, a potential lottery pick in the 221 NBA draft, I'd probably be like, bro, I'd rather, you know, not get injured and, you know, quote unquote opt out of the season. What are your thoughts? Yeah. um, I'm with you on that take. I think the optics of it, maybe I would handle it a little different. Um, yeah, I'm with I would say, Coach, you know, I, I I see where the season's at. Maybe they don't want him on the bench. Maybe maybe I, I would try to stay on the team, but maybe be like, Coach, you can curtail my minutes. I, I'm really gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna risk too much. I, I this is the season we're having again. It's Coach K, so I don't know which kid can step to him and communicate like that. Obviously, that's a unique situation. Um, it goes to a bigger point is right now, and I've made this point on many pods before, on on this In the Paint show many times, the college basketball season, because of the notion of um, amateurism, 
the players not getting paid. We talked about it with Ramogi Huma has kind of been the forefront of, of getting uh, players' name, image, likeness uh, to the forefront. And actually, it's going to be bills and laws across states. Is college basketball has been at a position where the actual game, and now we have the G League and other options, is it's not as important. It's just not as important as it was many years ago. Meaning to your development and to your that was the path you had to take to get high in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to. Right. You could be Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga and and go another path. Sure. Or Lamella Ball go to Australia. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Or you can be our guy who just had the monster dunk from Texas, R.J. Hampton. Hampton. Just you know, again, I don't know how good great R.J. Hampton is, but it's another path. So. Right. Jalen Johnson is saying, look it, I'm not getting paid. College basketball is bullshit. Now, again, the guys from my generation don't say that. We love the college game, the Fab Five, the UNLV. The game was different then. Well, 30 years have passed. A lot of guys are saying college basketball is bullshit. I just go there because that's more where more, that's the level and that's where I get exposure. So it goes to a bigger point that, and I will take this with Ben Simmons, and it's nothing against Ben Simmons because I think he's a great player. I like Ben Simmons. But was Ben Simmons as locked into LSU as Ed O'Bannon was to UCLA? Hell no. He just wasn't. You know, it just that's just the nature of the sport right now. I don't think the top players are locked into these teams nearly that much, Devin. No. They're just not. They have one foot in, one foot out. And a guy like Jalen Johnson – has always had one foot out. Let me get through this. Let's see if we can have a good season. We're not having a good season. Thanks. I'm not going to be here four years. You know that going in. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, again, the optics don't look good, but I'm kind of with you. Why are you get everything out of this? What do I get out of this? I think to, to your point on the optics not looking good, uh, yeah. it's only because one part of the optics are being reported on. Yeah, it's the negative against Jalen Johnson for quote unquote quitting on his teammates. Sure, um, we don't know what the conversations were like behind the, behind closed doors. We don't know what really went into the decision. We don't know if he was I don't know pushed out by the coaching staff. We don't know. So when you look at it from a straight basketball standpoint and the best interest of Jalen Johnson for his basketball future, I mean, why play on an eight and eight Duke team? that's not going to make the NCAA tournament that's having its games postponed and you're, you know, playing, you're you're not playing as many minutes as, you know, you need to like, you know, use it as a platform for exposure. Correct. Why not just, why not just start preparing for the NBA draft and, you know, get your, your interview questions ready, you know, start preparing with the agent potentially if you're going to hire an agent because you can't do that during the college season. Um, And then, you know, most importantly, Ronnie, save your body, make sure you don't get a freak injury because you never know what can happen, man. One, look at, look at Nerlens Noel. Look at our guy Nerlens Noel. One wrong move and your career is set back a year, two years, or you'll never be the same after an injury, you know, a freak injury potentially. So um, I I get why people are like, you know, this sucks. Uh, You shouldn't do this, but I I understand, you know, there's, there's more to it. Let's, let's let's take it a big step further, Devin, real quick is people who cover college basketball for a living. And you know who I'm talking about. Some of the guys I'm talking about, they're on stadium, they're on NBC sports, they're on CBS, etc. 
you know, are you reporting or are you becoming part of the news? So because you report on college basketball, do you always have to sing the good virtues of the game? Because that's what I kind of get at. Oh, you quit. You quit. You er right. People that cover college basketball are living are saying, oh, you quit. You quit. Why? Because you want access to the to the players and to the, and to the coaches that you have to cover for your job? That's kind of like me and you would always – that would be like me and you saying high school basketball is all so great. So, no, some of it's terrible. It's garbage. But, you right. know, you say Alabama, Alabama not having a shot clock is terrible. Yeah, I mean, so right. – we're, we try not to become part of the story. We're just reporting the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the, the virtues of high school basketball is a lot great of it. There's a lot of it that's bullshit. For sure. You know what I mean? So the same thing with college. Again, college is, just be honest, college is not where it was 20 years ago for various reasons. Yeah. One of the big reasons, I think, is the amateurism. It's just becomes such, the money's so big for the institutions and for the NCAA and the players not that, People's views of it have changed over the years. We've talked about that, and that's what happened. Yeah, I just to close this topic out, Ronnie, and move on to our next topic. Um, I just hate when anybody, whether it's a media person or uh, just a Joe Blow, you know, run of the mill person, jumps to conclusions. Yeah. Before we know, you know, what actually happened, and if you're a reporter, why not try and find out what actually happened? Like, do some reporting, try and figure out what what is the what was the disconnect between. Jalen Johnson and Duke that led to this current situation, or it was just Jalen Johnson and his family and his advisors saying, you know, we're not making the NCAA tournament this year. The games are being postponed and canceled and it's, it's not good for, for your health. And we want to preserve our, our, our body, not risk injury because I'm going to be a lottery pick. I think that's really what, in my opinion, I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, Ronnie, now that we're on this topic and, you know, different paths, we finally, different paths to the NBA. We finally got to see what the G league bubble looks like. Um, watch a few games here and there. G, yeah. league, G league ignite with uh, Jonathan Kuminga, Jalen green, Dacian Nix, Isaiah Todd, four high school players. And Kai Soto, I believe is a, a foreign player. But, I think Kai Soto's coming soon to the team. Yeah. He's, he hasn't been able to get in, I think because of, because of maybe COVID rules or whatever it may be. But um, those four guys we mentioned, Jalen green, Jonathan Kuminga, uh, Dacian Nix and Isaiah Todd all on display, getting the exposure that they expected, you know, before when they decided to go to the G league system and before, you know, COVID kind of shut everything down, they're getting their exposure. The first game that I watched Ronnie was the very first game and it was a little ugly, sure. a little ugly but it uh, seems like it's getting better. You know, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga both have, have shown that, you know, they're legitimate, obviously legitimate NBA prospects, legitimate lottery picks, yeah, they're going to be high picks. Jalen Green averaging, you know, just under 19 points a game, pretty good uh, field goal percentage. And then Kuminga showing that he might be the most ready, in my opinion, the most ready to contribute right away next season in the NBA just because of his body type. Are, now are, you, are you saying the most ready on that team or the most ready of everybody in this draft pool? So, the mo so I mean, yeah, both. The most okay. to contribute right away. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, Cade Cunning, I think my three right now would be K, um, excuse me, Evan Mobley from USC, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, and Kuminga now, based on what I've seen in the G League um, Ignite team in the G League bubble, Kuminga to me would be number three. And then right. Jalen Suggs, number four, and I'd probably go Jalen Green at number five. 
Um, yeah, those five guys are really good players. That's all interchangeable. Good prospects. Yeah, ba- that's all interchangeable based on who's picking in need. Uh, yeah. Because you know, if you have a guard-heavy team, they don't—they're not going to take Jalen Suggs, right? They might, take, or they might take Jalen Green if they need. Correct. Him. Or let's say, yeah, like the Golden State Warriors are not going to take Evan Mobley. <laughs> right. right. They just yeah. draft James Wiseman unless they right. unless they they flip Wiseman for you know another pick or another player in yeah. Suggs, but. You know, yeah, or take Mobley. But, yeah, it's all going to depend on who's picking and who's picking where. But those five guys, I think, to me, have, you know, kind of shown themselves to be the five guys who are going to be the top five picks. Um, what are your overall thoughts on what you've seen from the G League? Yeah, I, I like it. Again, you know players talk. So guys in college or guys in high school could be a Patrick Baldwin, could be a, uh, you know, Hunter Salas, or even the guys in the 222 class. You know, they're saying, hey, dude, you got Jalen Green's number. You got Kaminga's number. I want to hit him up and see what it's like, you know, what, how this has been. And I think it's good for them because they're going to get the exposure. Um, they're, they're on people. It's something new. So people want to watch it. I'm more interested in watching that than a run in the mill college game. Interesting. Okay. Because, because it's something new, you know, okay, what's this about? There's older players. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga is really intriguing. Um, cause he's got not barely scratching the surface's potential. Isaiah Todd has a ways to go and Jay, Jay Deshaun Nixon, the last game showed that he has glimpses, but he's, his physical conditioning's got to get to where it needs to, to, to get to, to get, to be a draftable player. You know, I mean, he's obviously could be drafted. Yeah. I think, I think, the, I think Todd and, and Nick's are probably in that second round conversation right yeah. now based on what we've seen in the, in the G league ignite and how they've, yeah. uh, but like you said with Knicks, I mean, feel IQ, yeah. all that stuff is off the charts with him, but obviously physical conditioning is a lot of people pointed out, which you hate to see yeah. uh, people, you know, nitpick, but again, if you're trying you have to go, he's you're trying to first on NBA draft pick, you've, you've yeah. got to be nitpicked. Yep. Yeah. You're going to be nitpicked on that because it's just his body. It's just, he looks like Khalid Alamine right now at, at, at UConn. Yeah. He just does. You got, because he didn't look like that before, so you have to. It's going to be pointed out. So, um, Jonathan Kaminga is barely wow. He just he 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 knows. He has an NBA type body, has an NBA type game, and it's he's just learning the game, and he can improve a lot. Um, when I look at Jalen Green, uh, I think he's the guy that when you look at an NBA defender, like yeah, that guy's are not going to be able to stay in front of him. People can't stay in front of him. He's going to get to the line. He's explosive. You know, he's continuing to develop his game. And like you said, he looks like a player that belongs. You know, that he's going to be an NBA, a good NBA player. Um, now, how does that compare to what Mobley is doing and what Cade or, and or Suggs are doing? I think for Suggs, it, man, he's going to have a huge opportunity in this NCAA tournament to show like, God damn, he is, you know, really good. Yeah. He's already showing that. Yeah. But I think people are going to see more of it. Um, Evan Mobley is always going to be the case of, is he going to be dominant? And I think he, you know, I watched the game not too long ago. I just put it on. I happen to put it on cause I wanted to watch it. Okay. Evan blocks a three pointer. This is the first minute of the game. I guess it was Washington game. Another guy shoots a jumper. He gets out there and blocks that. Then another guy tries to dunk on him. He blocks that. This was all in the first minute and a half. I was like, I don't want to watch no more. I already know. <laughs> just Evan, I know how, what Evan is Evan capable of. Yeah, like, I don't need to watch no more. Like he, he dominated the opening segments of the game, and he's like that no other college player can do. 
He's he's guarding his guy in the perimeter, and he, then he closes out on the three point shooter and just blocks it like a high school or junior high game. Like it's a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's why that's why I have him at that number one spot, Ronnie, just because defensive versatility. Yeah, how he impacts the game as a rim protector is really important in the NBA now, and then how he runs the floor, uh, yeah. position finishing, able to be a pick and pop guy potentially. He's got to I think he's got to work on that catch and shoot, you know, three point shot. Uh, to be a true quote unquote stretch five, whatever you want to call him. Um, but, but yeah, I think from size wise and just what he does defensively, that's why he's going to be the number one pick. And like you said, in that Washington game, but like switches onto a guard, right. And then recovers to his own guy on the pass blocks, a three point shot. And then, you know, beats his guy down the court for an easy, you know, bucket in the paint. Easy run. So smooth and easy. Yeah. Yeah. He, and then Jalen green back to your point with him, I think thinks he needs to tighten up ball skills just being a little bit more uh, tight with the ball, a little bit more careful yeah. and um, just continue to get reps with the the jump shot because we know that he can, he can with his long stride and his explosiveness, Ronnie, it's like, you know, one move, he's by somebody, one dribble and he's in. Oh, he's to the key of the game all the time. And I, I saw it in the last game and, and I'll watch, try to watch it the next one. Like, I don't think some of his teammates know how quickly he like get him out, get throw it out there to him. Get him out there. Get him to the rim. What do you think of this weird mix of of like super super vets like Jarrett Jack, Jeremy <laughs> Lin, players like or uh, uh, Bobby Brown and Jarrett Jack are on G League Ignite with these young guys? What what are your thoughts on that mix on the court? I get it off the I get it off, off the, court. the court. It's terrific, Devin. I think they're getting way more out of it than a college player is right now or sure. an overseas player. They're getting guys who've gotten cut before, who've gotten good contracts, who've made money, are more mature, know what to do when there's not a game, not goofing around. They can teach them the ropes of being a pro. Yeah. But on the court, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I don't – I like to see younger players, you know, younger prospects, but it's teaching them how to be pros and maybe how to interact with pro coaches. So I think the G League guys, G League and I guys are getting a lot out of it because – of the osmosis they're just being around professional coaches who are supposed to be good coaches obviously you know the better coaches and and you know and they're getting around the veteran guys teaching them some some little nuances of what the nba game is and then i also think Devin, don't they have to shoot a further three-pointer and work with the shot clock yep so it's all pretty yeah. much on par with what the nba is and that's a huge advantage for them i agree that that makes Kaminga have to make a good decision, a quick decision in Jalen Green. You yeah. know what I mean? Nothing against Whereas, nothing against Jarrett Jack or Bobby Brown. They're both still buckets, right? They're both still really yeah. good on the court. But again, you want to see, you know, these younger guys be put in. Projectable guys. Yeah. Prize. Yeah. But it's still overall, it's worked out well. I mean, glad that they've got to that point. And then to tie all this in together, you know, Jalen Johnson, we're talking about uh, Evan Mobley. We're talking about the guys in high school, Benchero. You know, it's all an ecosystem. They're all let's, – let's be honest, Devin. All these high school players, not even just the top 10 guys, the top 50 guys, they all think they're going to the NBA. All of them. Every single one of them. Of so talk about the initiative with On The Rise, what we're, what we're doing, who the fans and our uh, viewers should be looking to see us break down and kind of take us through that process and who – are the first three guys that we should expect to have a breakdown of. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Ronnie, um, it's kind of a, it's kind of become a, 
since social media started and, you know, lots of high school coverage or prep coverage and, and, you know, AAU coverage, it's, you know, the recruiting, the, the NBA mock drafting, all those things have kind of evaluating, have taken a mind of their own and gone in all these different places, right. Where guys are being valued, guys are being undervalued. And then, you know, draft happens. And then five years later, we're getting these think pieces about, Oh, why was, why did this guy not work out? Well, on the rock. Let me get, let me cut you off real quick. I don't want to actually ever see on ballislife.com you doing the story of how the 2014 draft should have been. Who gives a shit? Right. You didn't make the right decisions then. I don't want to care about what you could think now. Like, tell me before it happens, then I'll be like, damn, that's a good evaluation. <laughs> you know, like, right. So, so go back to your point. Like the people who go and like Don Mitchell should have been the number one pick. It's like, okay, but like we get it. He's averaging he wasn't. points a night, but he wasn't. Yeah. And I want to see, I want to see why you messed up. Like why you didn't know that, you know what I mean? Rather than you should have been because he's averaging this many points. Like everyone knows that. Anybody, any dipshit can do that. Anyone with a a keyboard and a phone or whatever can, can do that. But on the rise is here to kind of give you guys both sides of what we're looking at when it comes to prospects, whether it's a, a high school guy, a guy who's ranked number one, we want to give strengths and weaknesses, strengths and areas of improvement why this guy is ranked here, why we think he's going to be a good NBA player and just do a full on breakdown um, on the top players. So first three episodes, number one, we're going to drop is Sharif Cooper at Auburn. Number two that we're going to drop is why am I? Oh, Chet Holmgren, Haha Academy. And number three we're dropping is JD Davison from, uh, he's from Alabama. Yeah. He's going to the University of Alabama. I hopefully he wasn't in that six to four game. <laughs> Ronnie, based on what we've, you know, the evaluations that we put on uh, on J- JD Davison's on the rise, he is he would not allow the six to four game to happen. Oh no, he personally wouldn't allow it. Right? No, he he's he's, he's not- go steal the ball, Devin. He'd go steal the ball from his own teammate and, and make sure it didn't happen. he's not built that way. He wants to score. So yeah. we're talk we're going to be talking the top high school players from various different classes and the top college players leading up to the 221 NBA draft. So, and we'll break down the G league night guys as well. If we can, yeah, we're going to do Jalen green, Jonathan Kuminga. As soon as we get access to that kind of film and we're able to put that film together, guys, this isn't just me and Ronnie talking, you know, to each other about this. This is film. We'll have plays, you know, showing strengths and weaknesses, and it's going to be a video podcast. It's also going to be an all audio podcast. It's going to be available in, various different different platforms. So some of the next guys we're looking at after the first three episodes, Evan Mobley from USC, Kate Cunningham from uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, we're probably going to jump into Imani Bates, potentially jump into some Sky Clark. Um, and I mean, really on Ronnie, honestly, any any top, you know, 20 guy, Peyton. Top tier prospect. Yeah, top tier prospect that you guys want to see, let us know and we'll, we'll find the film and we'll break it down for you. Um, but in the meantime, until we drop that at the end of this month, make sure you guys head to ballislife.com. Check out the latest content pieces that we have, whether it's a draft, high school rankings, Ronnie's uh, March Madness of high school basketball that could be happening um, you know, in, in, in certain states. And uh, hit our shop.ballislife.com link in the top right. We just had a nice gear drop from our guy, Andy Fomai. Um, head to the Balls Life Podcast Network. Wherever you get your podcast, check out us in the paint. Leave a like, comment, subscribe, 
Um, hit us up with any ideas you have on what you want to hear on the show. And we have a variety of other shows too on that, on the network. Uh, it's in the game, uh, the retro room, really good stuff from, you know, Randy Cruz, our guy, Randy. Um, but until yeah, Devin, uh, yeah, can you a, 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 a little tidbit or what we may not have this uh, on the rise a uh, little more and we may have in the pain a little less. So just give people, we're not, we may not go every week with our current initiative. We're on what uh, episode 94 now yep. and we're going to continue it. And we're going to be talking about various topics that, that come up in high school, college and pro, but we're also going to mix in a lot of those uh, breakdowns of those players. And we may have a, a, a little more focus on that. And so you might hear this pod just a little less. Yep, in the paint might become like a bi-monthly type of thing rather than an every week type of thing. And anything, you know, across the, the scope of high school, college, or NBA basketball that needs to have an in the paint type of, of show, we're going to do that. But we are going to probably spend a good majority of our time recording these on the rise breakdown episodes. So make sure you guys be on the lookout for the on the rise drop at the end of February and hit us with the like, subscribe. Uh, comment, let us know which players you want to hear about, and we will do our best to find the film and make that happen. But until the next episode of the In the Paint Show, Ronnie and Devin are signing off. 